Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. I'm Prue Warren, representing authors who are less experienced. And thankfully, I sit next to a more experienced author. Hello, I am Meredith Bond. And Prue, you are quickly becoming much more experienced. Well, uh, yeah, but, a, you know, stop clock is right twice a day. I mean, I'm, I'm stumbling my way through this, except that I have a little bit less stumbling because of you and I'm I'm... I don't mean to minimize how helpful your advice is, especially today, because what we're talking about, uh, we're revisiting newsletters. We've talked about newsletters in the past. In a previous podcast, we did the basics of author newsletters and why you need them. And we're revisiting them today because of uh, a change that has recently been made. So let me I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think is going on, and then you're going to make the revision that will help people understand the truth. Here's, my, here's what I'm seeing. When I send out a newsletter to my subscribers, who I love, they are very dear to me, these people. I'm up to 422 subscribers. <laughs> I know, I'm very excited. When I send out an email to them, In the past, I've been able to click on my analytics section. I use ActiveCampaign, and it will tell me what my open rate is. And I have been working very hard to increase my open rates. One of the things I did was to, back when I had, you know, 200 people and it was easy, I looked at every single one and noticed who was opening my emails and who was not opening my emails. and. I put the people who open my emails into a category called the glorious, magnificent ones. They're the ones who open every single time. And I love them. There are about 80 of them. And when I write my newsletter every stinking week, I always send to the glorious, magnificent ones because I know they like it. They open it. They read it. Everybody else, I don't email them once a week. I email them once a month. So I am affecting my open rates. The glorious, magnificent ones sometimes open at a rate of 75%, which is incredibly high. Before I broke them into two categories, my open rates were approximately 20%, which is, you know, not great. You should hope for better. I mean, 25 would be awesome. But when I split them out, the the glorious, magnificent ones got up to 75% at times. And everybody else, when I emailed them once a month, went up because the people who didn't want to be emailed every week were going, oh, I have not been inundated with emails from this author. I will open this email. So I'm beginning to get 30, 35% open rates for my entire newsletter list, which again, very small. really good. It is. I know. And it was a really successful test to make sure that I wasn't annoying my readers And then underpinning all of this, the secret hidden sort of um, cold-hearted marketing aspect of this is that 
mail servers watch for open rates. And if your open rates are low, it doesn't matter who you're writing to, they'll start pushing them into spam. (coughs) So even if uh, you don't send out spam, if enough people don't open your emails, uh, you you get a bad rating. And email Mm -hmm. servers over whom you have no control, over whom you, you don't even know who they are. You cannot see them. They are the ghosts in the machine. They will screw with you. So having high open rates helps at every stage. It not only keeps your readers happy, but it makes your mail more deliverable. So that's really important to me as a new author with 422 people, all of whom I adore. I want to keep them. I want them to love me. And I want my mail to go through when I email them. Now, here's what happened. On, I think it was um, September 20th, September 21st, Apple released an update to their operating system. They released iOS 15. iOS 15 included a great big message that said, we recommend you apply male privacy protections. Not (laughs) M-A-L-E, male privacy, but male privacy, email (laughs) privacy. We recommend you use male privacy protections. Do you want to opt in? And it wasn't even about, you didn't even have to go find the screen. It just showed up. And everybody in the world would say, I want my email private. Of course I do. So when you click yes, what Apple did at that point was started saying to everybody who was watching Active Campaign and um, MailChimp and everybody who's sending out email service providers, they said, yeah, your email's been open. Don't ask again. So what happened when Apple told everybody to engage email privacy was they told ActiveCampaign, my email service provider, that every email to an Apple customer was opened and my open rates went up. And you'd think that would be a good thing, but of course it's not because now I don't know who's actually opening it and I cannot sift out the people who want a weekly email from the people who want a monthly email Now I have no idea what's working and what's not working. I have no idea who I'm annoying and who I'm not annoying. And I have no idea if I need to watch out for how deliverable my emails are. And what Apple starts, everybody else will eventually follow. So this is is an issue for anybody with a newsletter who worries about deliverability. like you, I get the uh, email from David Gogren, who is a remarkable marketing guru on, on book marketing, who points out that even if someone is not an Apple user, well, if they have an iPhone, the minute they check their mail, they check their Gmail on their iPhone, Mac is going to send a message saying that email you sent has been opened, whether it's been read or not. Unless the iPhone user has specifically downloaded a Google app and is opening with the Google app. If you use the one that comes preloaded on the phone, which is easy and automatic, now you're in the Apple kingdom and you too are being being protected by um, by mail privacy protections. So this has this has a ripple effect throughout throughout the world. And it's really going to mess with my ability to see whether or not I'm annoying my readers and to see if I'm deliverable or not. What do you think? Have I explained it? I think you've explained it very well. 
It's going to be a big problem, but he recommends some some ways around it. Mm-hmm. And I think that we would all do well to follow at least some of his, if not all of his recommendations. Okay. So walk me through them. Okay. Um, hang on. Let me open up his email again. So one thing he talks about is whether you have an automation that is triggered by somebody opening an email. Okay. Stop right there. <laughs> I am okay. stopping right there. That's why I said that very slowly and paused. Okay. I, okay. Let me, Go ahead. let me, my, well, here's what happens. If you sign up for my newsletter, mm-hmm. the first thing that happens is you get an automatic bounce back from active campaign who says, I'm sorry, did you mean to sign up for this newsletter? which almost inevitably goes into the spam folder so people don't even see it and they think they're signed up and they're not signed up. Okay, but let's assume it doesn't go into the spam folder. And you, Mary Bond, signing up for my newsletter, click yes, I did mean to open it. And back it goes to Active Campaign. This is the only automated point in my entire email universe that is run on an open. Because as soon as that confirmation comes in, you get the first email from me that says, here is the epilogue to the book that you just read. But wait, is that that triggered by the open or do I have to click something? I guess it's triggered by confirmation. It's triggered by, most of them are triggered by confirmation. So if I open the email, inside is a button that says, please click here if you really want to sign up for Prue Warren's newsletter and right. I will click and it will put me into the system. You're so right. that is not triggered by an open that is triggered by a click. Diggity dog. So I'm safe on that one. You are safe on that one. Oh, that's outstanding. That's outstanding because the rest of the welcome series is time related. Two days later, you get the next one. Four days later, you get the next one. Oh, I feel much better. I feel much better. Um, under what circumstances? I think someone having an automation triggered by opening, that would be like a retailer. If you open my clothing store's email about cashmere, then I'm going to send you something on Wool Slacks to go with the cashmere. Well, not only a retailer, but I'm just looking at my email because I have David Gochran's email open in front of me. And, you know, I've got my email list of unopened things on the left here. And it's showing me uh, Kindle Nation daily daily author services, right? So Mm -hmm. if I open Kindle Nation daily's email, which I get twice for some reason, every single time, I must (laughs) be signed up under two different emails, um, email addresses. If I open that and click on it, then they know that I am opening their emails and they will continue to send them to me. If I don't, if I simply trash it, which is what I'm going to do right now, um, <laughs> <laughs> then they, they will see that I, they will not see that I opened it. Okay. But except, okay. except now with, if I used iOS mail, which I don't, if I used <laughs> iOS mail, it would say, just because it showed up in my inbox that I opened it, which would not necessarily be true. So things that I don't open often 
I, I will come across, I'll go check my, now that, now that I understand how many things get shuffled off into spam, I will go and check my spam folder occasionally. I have been surprised to see things in my spam folder from companies that I still like, but don't want to hear from very often. I think my, I think IS mail is watching whether or not I'm opening things. And when I don't open them, whether I want to or not, it's shuffling them off to spam. Huh. Um, I don't know. I open up my spam folder every single day because any message I get through my website automatically goes to spam, no matter how many times I tell Gmail that it's not spam. So I open spam and clean it out every single day. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. All right. Well, um, so I, I also I- have this weird thing because I have an email address that other people use as their spam address. What? Yes. I, I have I know of at least two people, one person in California who uses my email address as her spam address and a person in Indonesia who uses it as their spam address. I get her her um, her electricity bills. And every time she takes an Uber, I get her email. I get the <laughs> receipts. <laughs> have you ever emailed her? I don't have her real email address. Email address. I've emailed uh, her her electricity company and they ignore me and keep sending me her phone, her electricity bills. They don't care. <laughs> wow. So I get tons of garbage in my regular, in my email address, my personal email address. I think that's fascinating. You think that would be self-correcting because sooner or later they'll turn the power off. No, because she pays the bills. She just doesn't do get, she just doesn't get them. I see. I see. I do. <laughs> that's wild. That's that's absolutely amazing. Okay, I'm sorry, I've interrupted. No, uh, I, I, I that was a stupid aside. Um, so <laughs> I live for stupid aside. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, so it's automations. If your automation is triggered just by somebody opening up the email, then you're screwed. Yeah, fortunately, if, I'm not that complicated. Or you could be. But you just haven't set yours, yours up that way. Somebody actually has to open the email and click something, which is good. Because if somebody opens it and actually looks at it and clicks, you know that they've opened it. But that open, open the email and then make, click a link. Uh, the, the little bit I know about digital marketing in any respect the rule of thumb is the fewer actions someone has to take to get to the response you want, absolutely the better. If you add, you have to click a link, you will depress results. I mean, that's that was true in direct mail fundraising was, um, for example, never include a second link. Like I, when I began doing email fundraising, I would say, here's the link for click here to donate, click here for more information. And the word was from the gurus, for God's sakes, one button per email. Don't add a second button. You'll depress results on both sides. Don't think you're shaking your head now. I'm shaking my head because I put in lots of buttons in my emails and And I get lots of clicks. To different things. To different things. Completely different things. Like like what? Um, I frequently run... um, add books to book funnel promotions. And so whenever my book is part of a book funnel promotion, I always add that to my newsletter 
for people to click on the promo and go to that page and, and buy books. Um, I add links to my website. If I have a short story where I'm, I'm publishing the second part of it, I will have a link that goes to my website, which has the first part of the story. Um, I have links to my own wait, books sometimes. Why would you do, I'll send you the second part of the story, click here to get the first part. Why wouldn't you, here's the first part of my story, click here. Because last month I sent the first part. Ah, got it. So so if I have a 3,000 word short story, I only send them the first half, 1,500 words at a time. Right. And so last month I sent the first part and this month I'm sending the second part. But if you weren't a member of my newsletter list last month, or you've had just forgotten what happened last month in the story, click and you can skim through the first part and then continue reading. Got it. So it goes to my website. Okay. So people click to go to book funnel. People click to go to my website. People sometimes, if I am promoting a book, I will put a link to the book. Sometimes I will put in two book funnel promos because if I'm a member of two, sometimes I will promote other people's books. And, you know, if we do a, a newsletter swap and right. I will put in a link to that. So sometimes I'll have three, four, five links. Wow. That's fascinating. Okay. I don't mean to make you into the answer woman on active campaign because I know you don't use active campaign, but I have uh, my, let's see, my newsletter has a permanent footer. And in the permanent footer, it says reply here, and that will send me an email. But active campaign does not seem to count that because I will get, you know, 10 emails back and I'll ask active campaign how many clicks and they'll say none. So do you think there's anything to, is there any difference between clicking a link to a web page versus clicking a link to an email? That's interesting. I don't think so because I'm just, I'm looking at the email that I sent yesterday where I did ask people to email me what they thought of the new name for my series, but nobody actually did. So (laughs) nobody actually clicked that link. What is the series? The new name for my series is Royal Hearts. Lovely. I clicked yes. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) last month I did I also asked people to I frequent I always try to ask a question that people need to click to email me to answer it right oh see so your email clicks are working yes well sometimes I mean it depends on on the question not 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 is your I, I don't mean does your question engage your readers? What I mean is your email service provider counts email responses as a click. Well, that's what I am looking to see whether they do. All right. I'm looking at my last. Oh, actually, the last one. No, it's probably not a good. Uh, I, the last email I sent said, here's the epilogue to Dash right after I published Dash. And my response rate was 30%. Nice. And my engagement was 6%. So I guess I got some clicks. Wait, I'm going to go back to an older one. God, you're going to have to delete. This is too boring for everybody on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I don't, you know what? I'm not going to look it up because I don't really, my only engagement is to say, email me if you want to gab. And that's not a, that's not a vigorous um, reason for someone to write back. So mine are not a yeah. good test. Right. Um, and, and no, it may not be showing me where, when I ask them to email me, it may not be. Interesting. And it will change the way I write my newsletter, because if I really do want to inspire, if I want to measure whether someone is interested, I'm going to have to come up with a way other than opens to find out if someone is particularly engaged or would rather be left alone for a while. Yeah. And you know what? You can straight out ask. Yeah, but the people who <laughs> but the people who don't answer I guess they've sort of answered, haven't they? Uh-huh. I think most people don't, most authors don't email once a week, right? So I don't know. I think most people email once a month. Right, right. So I don't necessarily want to confess to people, I am so freaking chatty that I'm going to email you every Tuesday, whether you want to hear from me or not. And then I think by saying that, it's going to be people going, God, so unsubscribing immediately. So <laughs> I sort of don't want to ask. <laughs> And people will tell me, I only want to be emailed every six months, even though that's a lie. They don't really want to be emailed every six months and they would respond more. People will tell you what they think they want, not what they actually want. So I don't believe it. I'm not going to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Not asking. I'm not asking. There's huge saddle pressure to tell you what they think you want to hear or to say, you know, do you listen to NPR or do you listen to, right, uh, romance books on tape? Most people are going to say, well, listen to NPR because I'm highly intellectual and want you to think I am. When in reality, that's not true. So I'm not asking anybody. They're going to have to express their discontent in other ways. <laughs> but the important point here is that you won't know. Unless they click something in your email, you won't know if somebody has opened it if they use iOS mail. Well, and don't you think that their mail provider, I mean, Google surely must be right behind. Don't you think Google's going to be doing this any minute now? Yeah, probably. Which is really sad, but yeah, Gmail will probably be doing this. That's what I think. That's what I think. I think it's not going to be long. Someone has, you know, broken the seal and now now male privacy protection is going to look like normal. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to have to change the way I write newsletter. I'm going to have to come up with reasons for people to click links, which feels awkward to me and feels artificial. But I guess the only reason I want to insist on people clicking a link is if I want to measure responsiveness and maybe for me, with my 422 subscribers, maybe I don't necessarily care that much. Maybe I don't care about their responsiveness. Um, they'll delete me. The only reason to care would be if, if you are sending them too frequently and somebody doesn't, somebody would be more likely to subscribe, unsubscribe altogether rather than uh, say, hey, I want to only be emailed once a month. Yeah, I think what this is going to do for me is not, it's not going to, okay, it's going to lessen my ability ability to identify the glorious, magnificent ones. That's all it's going to do for me. Yes. Because if I make glorious, magnificent ones once a week, 
and everybody else once a month, it's just going to be harder to get into the glorious, magnificent ones. That's going to stay a small insider scoop list. Unless you put something in your footer, uh, the bottom of your email that says, if you only want to be emailed once a month, click here. Yeah. Yeah, Or you can just explain to all of your your email, your newsletter readers, hey, there's been this change. So I don't know whether you've opened my email or not, but if you don't want me to email you every week, please tell me. Actually, I think I would do it differently. I would say there's been this change. I have the glorious, magnificent ones and we giggle together once a week. If you want to be included in that, click here. Sure. I'll have people up into the glorious, magnificent ones instead of excluding anyone who doesn't want to have them opt in. That's a and good that idea. Way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opt that way you don't tick anybody off. Yep. Um, yep. But people who are super duper interested and you know, want to give them reasons why they would want to be, like your fantastic uh, story that you are writing with them. Right, right. Yeah, the you decide story is doing, my open rates on that are 80 and 90%. That one's really good, but there are only 60 people who get it, but they are very vested. So. So actually, I really like that because I think, once again, it's teaching mail servers that people like my emails. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's something someone as unsophisticated as me can actually do, but I have fooled myself into believing that the occasional email that with a really high open rate serves me well in the in the universe of mailer daemons who are mysterious entities. About whom probably someone should write a supernatural romance. <laughs> Mailer Damons. <laughs> did you know that there is, you probably did know this, there is a company in somewhere in Scandinavia called Spam House, H A U S, Spam House. They are into Spam House. And what Spam House does is monitor the world's emails and decides you are a spammer. You automatically get put into people's spam. And apparently this is considered such a groovy thing that all email service providers obey the Spam House. The Spam House says, that's it. You're a spammer. You have to write to Spam House and say, here's why you're wrong. Please let me back into everybody else's email. Like, who knew? The mailer I did not know that. that. Spam House. That's where they go for Oktoberfest to the Spam House to hoist. But how do you know that it was Spam House that put you there and not the Gmail bot? I was. I got pushed. Here's how I know. When I first joined Romance Writers of America, I somehow ran afoul of Spam House, and Spam House would not deliver my email to RWA. Actually, I bet the answer was RWA ran afoul of Spam House, which seems much more likely. And I had to write to Spam House and say, please let my mail through because I keep asking them questions and nobody hears me. And they went, mutter, mutter, mutter. And then I had to write them again. And they went, mutter, mutter, mutter. And then I write again. They went, okay. And they let me back in. And I asked a friend of mine who was a real tech genius. uh, And he said, no, the Spam House is a real thing. And the digital community applauds and approves Spam House because they serve a very valuable purpose. So, you know, you could probably really screw with an enemy if you said to Spam House, you know, 
that guy's a spammer. They would shut you down fast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mary, I wonder if it'd be interesting. This guy that I know, his name is Chuck Hall and he is, uh, he's a, he's a tech guy. He has Mm. nothing to do with the world of romance, except he's an avid reader and he probably reads romance. We could have him on just to talk about tech stuff. Let's have him talk about the privacy, the male privacy protection. Oh, brilliant idea. He could really get into detail with that, I'm sure. I'm going to email him because he's very good. I know because he's talked to me. He's good at talking to idiots, right? He's good at taking me by the hand and going, okay, let me tell you what spam house is. Let me tell you why they're a good thing. Let me tell you how to fix your problem. So I'm going to email him and ask Chuck if if he'd give us half an hour one day. I think that's a great idea. Like yeah, it. That'd be, that'd be fun. Uh, okay. Do we have any other thoughts on the subject of uh, newsletters and email privacy? Um, newsletters and email privacy. I don't think so. I know. But, I know. Think yeah, this shakes out. Yeah. It's real. It's going to be interesting to see. The one thing that David Gochran points out which I think is very important for us all to remember, is that the default with this is going to show us that the newsletter was opened. Right. So all of our open rates are going to skyrocket and we're all going to get giggly and say, oh, so many people are opening my email. And it's not true. (laughs) And it's not true. Right. So stop it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this this no longer is a valid measure. And and it's also it's always been a suspicious measure because a lot of very very tech savvy people have always said you can't I'm not telling you if I open I'm I'm not telling you if I've opened your email. So it's always and, been sketchy provision but now it's gone. There's no longer you can't rely on. Right. Because um lots of email programs will show you an email without actually even opening it. Right, that's right. So there may be a lot of people who are reading your email and it's not being bounced back as opened. Well, that's, you know, that's a really good reason to opt in to uh, email me more frequently provision. Okay, there are things to be done. There are things to be done and that's that's good. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's as much as I can handle on newsletters and mail privacy protections next week we have what i'm re- i'm really excited we're going to talk to author mary joe putney about traditional publishing and how the world is changing in yes. the world of publishing. i can't wait i think that's going to be so interesting i'm delighted i know she is such a sweet and gentle person and so incredibly knowledgeable she has been in publishing for at least 20 years. We need her, her to guide us. We, we need her historical perspective because it will be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I think so, too. I think so, too. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much, Meredith. I look forward to next week's conversation. I do, too. Thanks, Prue. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. 
We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,